0: Hello. Welcome to the One Year Bible Tour podcast. Today is March 26. My name is David McAdam and I'm happy to serve as your tour guide, encouraging you to read the Bible completely through and take its message to heart. We are in the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament today and the gospel of Luke in the New Testament. Every time that Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness in the New Testament, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. He quotes from Moses' speech about Israel's temptations in the wilderness. Jesus himself was fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. The children of Israel had wandered for 40 years. Where Israel fails, Jesus succeeds. And he does so through a heart that responds rightly to what is written. So let's get started and read as Moses begins his speech in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1. Remember that the word Deuteronomy means second law or repetition of the law. And this is where our reading begins. Moses is going to repeat the law in the hearing of the new generation before they cross the Jordan River and follow Joshua into the promised land of Canaan. The book of Deuteronomy, chapter 5, the Ten Commandments. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them, and be careful to do them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain, out of the midst of the fire, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time, to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. He said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox, or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness, with a loud voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone, and gave them to me. And as soon as you heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, while the mountain was burning with fire, you came near to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders, and you said, Behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. This day we have seen God speak with man, and man still live. Now, therefore, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more, we shall die. For who is there of all flesh? that has heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have, and has still lived, go near and hear all that the Lord our God will say, and speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you, and we will hear and do it. And the Lord heard your words when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the words of this people which they have spoken to you. They are right in all that they have spoken." Oh, that they had such a heart as this always, to fear me and to keep all my commandments, that it might go well with them and with their descendants forever. Go and say to them, Return to your tents. But you stand here by me, and I will tell you the whole commandment and the statutes and the rules that you shall teach them, that they may do them in the land that I am giving them to possess. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you, You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land that you shall possess. Chapter 6 The Greatest Commandment Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules, that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that He swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, then take care, lest you forget the Lord." who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve, and by His name you shall swear. You shall not go after other gods, the gods of the peoples who are around you. For the Lord your God in your midst is a jealous God, lest the anger of the Lord your God be kindled against you, and He destroy you from off the face of the earth. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, as you tested him at Massa. You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and His testimonies and His statutes which He has commanded you. And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers, by thrusting out all your enemies from before you, as the Lord has promised. When your son asks you in time to come, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in And give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God, for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it will be righteousness for us, if we are careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us. And this is the end of our reading today from the book of Deuteronomy. So let's spend a moment to reflect upon this important passage in the Old Testament. Moses begins his great address to the nation. He repeats the Ten Commandments that God gave them when he made a covenant with them at Mount Horeb, otherwise known as Sinai. This is the third record of the Ten Commandments in the Bible. The previous records are found in Exodus chapters 20 and 34. Moses describes himself as standing in between God and the people at the time that the law was given Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 5 John the evangelist picks up on this picture of Moses when he contrasts Jesus with Moses as mediators in his gospel John chapter 1 verse 17 reads for the law was given through Moses grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ the revelation of God's righteousness was given on tables of stone to Moses who would communicate them to the people as holy demands. God's holy demands are fulfilled on our behalf through Christ's righteous living and his dying as the sacrificial substitute, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The Ten Commandments are repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 6-21. through 21. He reminds the people that they have witnessed God's holiness at Mount Sinai as an all-consuming fire. Verses 24 to 27. They have obligated themselves to the responsibilities of the law by hearing, learning, and doing all that he commanded. God heard their resolutions, but also said, Oh, that they had such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it may be well with them and with their sons forever. In verse 29. This statement recognizes the unfaithful heart of the old man and anticipates the heart of obedience that is to be found in the new man. The unregenerate heart of man is likened to a heart of stone, incapable of hearing, learning, or doing the will of God. Ezekiel chapter 11, verses 19 and 20, Ezekiel 36, verse 26. The promise of the new covenant is a heart that is alive, pumping with divine obedience, ready to hear, to learn, and to do God's will. This is the heart of Christ. Then the Lord gives Moses a commission. We can see similarities and differences between this commission and the great commission given by Jesus to his disciples. Moses is commissioned to say to the people, return to your tents. Jesus says, go. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Mark 16, verse 15. The Lord says to Moses, stand here by me. Moses is a type of the law. The law stands subservient to Christ, the one who fulfills the law. In the New Testament, Christ, the lawgiver, becomes the law interpreter and the law keeper. The Lord says to Moses, But as for you, stand here by me, that I may speak to you all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I give them to possess." So you shall observe to do just as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right or to the left. You shall walk in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live, and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you will possess. Deuteronomy five verses thirty one to thirty three. Jesus said to his disciples, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, Moses reminds the people that their success in possessing their inheritance depends upon obedience. In the New Testament, the good news is that there is an inheritance laid up for us in heaven. Our possession of it is dependent upon the obedience of another. The Lord Jesus Christ through his obedience we have been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 we have the famous Hebrew statement of faith, the Shema. Hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The word for one is echad, signifying a composite unity not the hebrew word yakid the word most commonly used for the singular one ikhad is a relational word it is found in genesis chapter 2 verse 24 for this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one ikhad one flesh the word is found to describe one cluster of grapes in numbers 1323 Three fighting units coming together as one man in Judges chapter 6, verse 16, or two sticks coming together to be one, signifying the northern and southern kingdoms becoming one in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 16 to 17. In each of these cases, there is a plurality in oneness. Ezekiel 37, verse 16. And you, Son of Man, take for yourself one stick and write on it, for Judah, and for the sons of Israel, his companions. Then take another stick, and write on it, for Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel, his companions. Then join them for yourself, one to another, into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. Upon the basis of God's self-revelation as a community of oneness, specifically a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, We can understand more clearly the New Testament declaration that God is love. The scriptures don't merely state that God is loving, but that God is love. Love is a relational word. God in himself is relational. Love requires the lover, the beloved, and the love that exists between them. The great commandment is based on this revelation. God is relational. Jesus explains, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also may love one another. The relationship begins by our hearing what he says about who he is and what he has done to demonstrate his love. In the Old Testament, these facts are reflected in the law and the tabernacle. In Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So faith comes through hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. When we are introduced by faith to who God is, that is love. And what he has done, he has so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believes him should not perish but have everlasting life. We will want to love him back. We love because he first loved us. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Deuteronomy 6, verse 5. Jesus turns the words of command into words of promise. When we put our faith in Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit who sheds His love abroad in our hearts. In ourselves, we fail to love God as we should, but God's love never fails. We must let the Word of God impress us deeply if we are to impress others with it. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. The word teach, shaman in Hebrew, means to sharpen. Not only are we to hear God's word and meditate upon it until it makes a deep impression upon us, but we are told to sharpen it, prepare it like an arrowhead, so that it can penetrate the heart of those we are teaching. This will include visual aids, the frontlets between your eyes, being diligent to keep them in view, reflecting its truths in the things around you, such as the posts in the gates of your house. We are to help others to hear, to read, to study, to memorize, and to meditate upon the Word of God. After the children of Israel returned from Babylon, the Israelites had portions of Scriptures rolled up in a black calfskin pouch attached to their person with four strips of parchment put into four little cells within a square case called a phylactery. This passage reminds us again of the importance of hearing, learning, doing, and teaching the Word of God. The next generation will only be impressed with the Word of God if we are prepared to do all four. We are to communicate the truth about God's character and His work of redemption. We're also to give our children a vision for their future. The reason they were redeemed is so that they can possess what God has promised of a hope and a certain future. Let's listen to these words again. He brought us out from there in order to bring us in, to give us the land which He had sworn to our fathers. So the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good, always, and for our survival as it is today deuteronomy six, twenty-three and 24 now let's read from the new testament the gospel of luke chapter 7 verses 11 through 35 jesus raises a widow's son soon afterward he went to a town called nain and his disciples and a great crowd went with him as he drew near to the gate of the town behold a MAN WHO HAD DIED WAS BEING CARRIED OUT, THE ONLY SON OF HIS MOTHER, AND SHE WAS A WIDOW, AND A CONSIDERABLE CROWD FROM THE TOWN WAS WITH HER. AND WHEN THE LORD SAW HER, HE HAD COMPASSION ON HER, AND SAID TO HER, DO NOT WEEP. THEN HE CAME UP AND TOUCHED THE bier, AND THE BEARERS STOOD STILL. AND HE SAID TO THEM, YOUNG MAN, I SAY TO YOU, ARISE. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread through the whole of Judea and all the surrounding country. The disciples of John reported all these things to him, and John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? In that hour he healed many people of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind he bestowed sight. And he answered them, Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who are dressed in splendid clothing and live in luxury are in king's courts. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by all her children. This is the end of the New Testament reading from the Gospel of Luke. When Jesus approached the village of Nain, he saw a funeral procession coming out of the village gate. He saw a grieving widow who had lost her only son. His heart overflowed with compassion. There is no mention of names in this incident, just widow, only son, and young man. Jesus, moved with compassion, spoke his command to the dead son, Young man, arise. And then we read the resolution and Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a wonderful foretaste of what Jesus does through his redemptive and restorative work of reconciliation. John the Baptist struggles with doubt. He once had the inner assurance that Jesus was the Messiah, but his current circumstances must have been baffling. Why was he still in prison? He had been locked up for months. Luke chapter 3, verses 19-20. to 20. Could not Jesus rescue him if he were the Messiah? If Jesus came to set the captives free, why was he still a prisoner? Why were his prayers not being answered? Why had Herod not yet repented? John is a man with passions and questions like the rest of us. He was tempted to quit, like Moses in Numbers 11, verses 10 to 13, Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, or Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 20, verses 7 to 9 and 14 to 18. John had heard from God that Jesus was the Messiah and had previously borne public witness to the fact. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and He remained on Him. I did not recognize Him, but He who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on Him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. John's Gospel, Chapter 1, Verses 32 and 34 But John the Baptist was in what must have been to him an equivalent to Pilgrim's Dungeon of Despair in Castle Doubting, described in John Bunyan's allegory, The Pilgrim's Progress. John sends his disciples to inquire if Jesus actually is the Messiah. When John the Baptist adds the statement, or do we look for someone else, he is making a public challenge to Jesus to prove his Messiahship. This is a temptation that Jesus had previously faced in the wilderness. If you are the Son of God, prove yourself. Jesus responded in a similar manner, with the Word. Jesus sends back the report that the Messianic prophecies are being fulfilled in the miracles that are taking place. He refers to the prophecies of Isaiah. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Isaiah 35, verse 5. There is also the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting so they will be called oaks of righteousness the planting of the lord that he may be glorified jesus emphasized that he did not want anyone to fall away on account of his timing of the messianic kingdom that was in god's hands trust in the word and its promise blessed is he who does not take offense at me jesus said in luke chapter 7 verse 23 the word offense is the greek word from which we get the english word scandalized it refers to a bait stick or falling into a trap don't be trapped by being occupied with what jesus is not doing instead focus on what he is doing after john's disciples depart jesus speaks to the crowd teaching them that john the baptist is the fulfillment of the prophecy in malachi chapter 3 verse 1 and thereby infers that jesus is the messiah the predicted coming one. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. John is also the one spoken of in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. A voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Jesus then makes a baffling statement, John is the greatest of all who have ever lived, implying the greatest of the prophets, yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he is. Jesus is referring to a new kind of humanity that will be born out of the cross. The Adamic heritage will pass away, and those who are born again of the Holy Spirit will be partakers of his divine nature. John was a herald of the kingdom. Believers today are children of the kingdom. And now let's turn our attention to today's reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 68, verses 19 through 35. And reading today's portion will be Peter Healy.
1: Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God the Lord belong deliverance from death. But God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in his guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan. I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that you may strike your feet in their blood, that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from the foe. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary, the singers in front, the musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines. Bless God in the great congregation, O Lord, O you who are Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them, in the lead, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulon, the princes of Naphtali. Summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear gifts to you. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with calves of the peoples. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hand to God. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. Sing praises to the Lord, to him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God.
0: Thank you. Blessed be God. Praise be to God. He is the source of the life of his people. This psalm celebrates the march of God with His people throughout the ages. We can be assured that He will ultimately lead His people to victory. He is a God who saves and who rescues us from death. He ensures that the enemy is defeated. In this psalm we have the great prayer request in verse 28. Summon your might, O God. Display your power, O God, as you have in the past. Music permeates the victory procession. The singers are in front, musicians behind and the women with tambourines in between. So the songs of praise should accompany us on our present march to victory. And now our reading from the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 29 through 31. Whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind, and the fool will be the servant to the wise of heart. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and whoever captures souls is wise. If the righteous is repaid on earth, how much more the wicked and the sinner? What is gained if we do not heed God's wisdom? An inheritance of the wind? Nothing. The fools who lean on their own understanding will discover that those who trusted the word of the Lord are advancing in what is truly valuable and non-perishable. Being right with God through faith in the gospel brings the nourishment of deathless life to others. It is wise to be invested in sharing this good news of how sinners can be put in a right relationship with God through faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. O Lord, we are grateful for Your self-revelation through the Scriptures. It is a privilege to have Your Word and a privilege to share it with others. You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, are love. We are thankful for the demonstration of Your love. In love you gave the law, and in love you fulfilled the law on our behalf. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. We praise you for raising Him to life. Now the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus liberates us to love others as you have loved us. You have brought us, like the widow's son, from death to life. You have granted to our internal struggles and doubts the indisputable evidence of fulfilled prophecy, including the empty tomb. Forgive us, O Lord, for our failures to trust You. You are to us a God of deliverances. We look to You, our strength, our power, our Redeemer, our friend, and the joy of Your people. May we testify of Your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, Amen. What a blessing it is to have this time together where we can read God's Word and meditate upon it together. We thank You for Your participation and We encourage you, if you have any questions or comments, to contact us. You can learn more about New Life Community Church and our ministries at our website, newlife.org. God bless you, and rejoice and be glad in this day that the Lord has made.
1: Shalom.